You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now here's your host, Chris McPherson. Who is it? It's Little Nero, sir. I have your pizza. Leave it on that doorstep and get the hell out of here. Okay. Um, well, what about the money? What money? Well, you have to pay for your pizza, sir. That effect. How much do I owe you? <laughs> uh, that'll be eleven eighty, sir. Keep the change, you filthy animal. And welcome, indeed, to the Eagles Insider Podcast. I am Chris McPherson. We're getting into the Holly Spirit. Look, playoff football is coming to Philadelphia this Saturday. What more could any Eagles fan ask for? We're going to break down the loss to the Arizona Cardinals, a disappointing 40-17 effort. But we are going to quickly transition and look ahead to Saturday night's showdown with the NFC East on the line. If the Eagles want to have any... Any hope whatsoever, they must defeat the Redskins, and then we'll see what happens in Week 17. So help me break it down. The man who has delved through the All-22, he knows everything that transpired on the field, Mr. Fran Duffy. What's up, guys? When I heard that we were doing holiday quotes in the beginning of the show, I was surprised that no one picked any quotes from Die Hard. Oh, do we need to start that debate? I mean, we don't need to now. You wanted to. That's that's why you said it. I had to throw it in there. Jeez. That is, uh, that is not a holiday movie. The man of fun and games, Alex Smith, everyone. Hello. Glad to be here. Have a little game time action for us? Yes. Bringing back a classic from earlier in the season. Ooh. But, uh, new questions this time. Okay. I would hope so. Exactly. <laughs> and the men behind the scenes making it all happen, Brian Thomas and Chris Stevens. Gentlemen. They're oh. the uh, the silent participants in today's This It's uh, silent this podcast. week. Sorry. We're setting some stuff up on the, the on surface. The yes. Microsoft Surface. Correct. Tell the fans out there how they can download and subscribe to the Eagles Entire Podcast. So go on iTunes, check the, the podcast that you're interested in. We have Eagle Eye in the Sky, Journey to the Draft presented by AAA, and uh, Eagles Insiders. Just go in there, pick what you like, and uh, subscribe to it. It'll come to your phone automatically. And rate and comment and tell us what you like about the show. We'll have our three and out segment followed by the interview, then a little enemy intel where we'll take a detailed look. Actually, Fran and Alex will be taking a detailed look at the matchup with the Washington Redskins. It's going to be a much different affair with uh, Deshaun Jackson coming to Philadelphia. Deshaun did not play in the first meeting, and he's been red hot as of late. Four touchdowns in his last five games. Games. Huge performance in Sunday's win over the Buffalo Bills. And we'll have a little game time and then plenty of your questions on mailing it in. Arguably the strongest week in terms of the uh, mailbag really? feature. Wow. Not, uh, Come on now. I, I guess I'm not too surprised because obviously what happened on Sunday, but then also what we have coming Saturday night, it's winner take all. Exactly. So again, it's a festive time here in Philadelphia. Hopefully the Eagles will be able to right the ship. Well, let's jump into things in our three and out segment. One, two, three, three. Three is a magic number. Three! Three! Now it's time for three and out. One thing that we have done this week, we have used the Kirk Cousins You Like It drop throughout the course of previous shows, but not this week. No, 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 BT. No. Thank you very much. We said we have to put a moratorium on it for this week. Well, not just that, but I think he also put in a copyright on it. Really? Yeah, I saw that today. So... He got a trademark on that? Yes. Interesting. Yes. Well, it's good So you can say, I kind of like that, or I think I like that. I really like that. I really like that. But if you say those three words, I don't know know what the the repercussions are. Well, have you seen Chris Baker says it when he comes back in from the locker room? Now he's saying it, like he's playing off of it. So is he, is it trademark infringement that he's taking... Unless he gave him, that might be why Kirk Cousins is doing it, so no one else, no one uh, else can do it. Exactly. Hey, smart man! Didn't the T- fans t-shirts? 
Alex, didn't yeah, you say the, the fans were doing it? The fans were chanting it as he like ran off the field. So, well, bottom line, I, is, I guess he's got some royalties coming his way. Yeah, we're not using that drop for the show this week. We might just retire it moving <clears> forward. <throat> that, that's a lie. When the Eagles went on Saturday, we're gonna have, be having tons of fun with it. Are there any Thanks. other drops that are in the uh, the abyss of drops that are no longer used on this Ooh, podcast? Ooh, old dirty bastard drops. Oh yeah, during to the draft. Sure. Presented by AAA. Shimmy, shimmy, yeah. That's right. Sure. Yeah. That one had to be retired. Yeah. Thrown uh, away. Um, We've got some indeed. good ones from up north, uh, the Boston College area. That's right. We haven't busted those out in a while. Thank you. No. Much better than this. Yeah. <laughs> indeed. Nicely done, BT. All right. So for our three now, we're going to look at Sunday's game against Arizona Cardinals. And I guess I'll start things off uh, looking at the defensive side of the football. And a lot of people want to know is it personnel? Is it scheme? What happened to the Eagles' defense so that David Johnson, the rookie running back, could gain 187 yards total, averaging 6.4 yards per carry? Brian Thomas is still shaking his head back behind the uh, audio mixer. Three total touchdowns, but really that 47-yard touchdown where it seemed like the entire defense had an opportunity to stop him at one point or another, but no one could get the job done, I think really just symbolized the entire night for the defense. And I don't know if it's personal scheme I think it's just guys have to step up and make plays now coming into the game we were all worried about the x plays about Larry Fitzgerald Michael Floyd John Brown all those guys getting deep and knowing how good and how explosive the Cardinals passing attack has been this season and you can scheme to take something away from an opposing offense you could say we're not going to allow them to do that but the thing is some of the big runs they're six-man fronts it was guys just did not play their right fits Guys did not make the tackle when they had the opportunity. Chip Kelly said on Monday that guys are trying to strip the ball too much. Jalen Watkins was guilty of that on Johnson's touchdown run. It just comes to a point where you got to get back to fundamentals. You got to get Surge out this week, Alex. Mythology it, reference I, there. I may have to interview him once again. I haven't spoken to him in a long time. You know, but it really comes down to it's funny because at its element, at its most basic element, football is very simplistic. It's blocking and tackling, and that's what the Eagles defense needs to do a much better job of. Now, Washington comes in. They've struggled to get the rushing attack going, but it's another big back in Alfred Morris. Matt Jones has had fumble issues throughout the course of the season, but neither one has been overly productive. It's going to be an interesting contrast of styles. Can the Eagles right the ship, or will Washington have success on the ground? But to me, guys have been in position to make plays and just simply have not been able to do so. Yeah, and I wonder how much trying to prevent those X plays really played into it. Because if you look at the very first play of the game, Carson Palmer drops back and he hits uh, John Brown in his hands in what probably would have been, I don't know how long it was, probably, what, an 80-yard touchdown or something along those lines. And he dropped it, fortunately for the Eagles. But I think after that play, it was even more so that, hey, we can't let these guys behind us. All week long, we were talking about the Cardinals' wide receivers in the passing games, and I don't think David Johnson's name was mentioned once no. this week in the locker room or to any of the coaches when they had their press conferences. You know, we all thought when Andre Ellington wasn't playing, that would be, you know, another big boost for the Eagles' run defense, and the Cardinals probably weren't going to be able to run the ball very effectively. But David Johnson, give him credit, he had a monster game, and I, I think this is always going to be looked back on as the, the David Johnson game in Eagles history. Well, if anything... I think that we were concerned about David Johnson in the past game right? because he's been a big part of that as well right. throughout the course of the season, the short time that he's taken over as the lead back. So, you know, it wasn't that we were ignoring David Johnson. We were ignoring him or not paying as much attention to him as a running back as opposed to a receiver. Yeah, I wrote about it in the, uh, the Eagle on the Sky column this week. That was kind of how I looked at him was, look, we know what kind of a threat he was as a receiver out of the backfield, both in the screen game and vertically down the field. And they did try to incorporate that into this game plan. But even though they 
were a top 10 rushing team in the in the NFL coming into the game. I don't know that a lot of people really talked about that coming into the game. So who knows if that was bolt and board material for those guys, motivational factor. Hey, everyone's talking about the receivers. No one's really talking about our run game going into this week, but a disappointing effort for sure from the Eagles defensive front. All right. So while the Eagles defense was disappointing, there was one bright spot, a couple of bright spots, I should say, on the offensive side of the football. And Fran, you're going to touch on the quarterback. Number seven. Sam Bradford. Yeah, I thought that you could probably argue that it was his best game in Eagles green on Sunday night against Arizona. I thought that he did a really... Yeah, Eagles black is a good point. (laughs) Uh, I thought he did a really good job handling pressure. Once again, I talked last week on this podcast about how good he was against the Blitz against Buffalo. This week, it was a repeat effort. I mean, he finished 8 of 12 for 107 yards with an interception on that pick six. But really, I mean, you look at... I think he started 7 of 8 for you know 87 yards against the Blitz. He started really, really hot. uh, And again, a team that came into this week as the biggest blitz team in the NFL, they didn't really turn on the heat on on this Eagles offense. And there's lots of different reasons for that. Most notably, probably the tempo is the thing that keeps defenses from really uh, ratcheting up the blitz calls. But, you know, I think that Sam Bradford's done a really good job of working within the pocket. He's been very poised, you know, in the face of pressure when defenders are bearing down. He shows that he can stand tall, deliver the football accurately on time, uh, made some anticipation throws, some opposite hash throws. I mean, really big time performance in a lot of ways from Sam Bradford. Obviously, you want to take that interception back, the pick six, where it was pretty clear that there was a miscommunication between him and Ryan Matthews. He thought Matthews was coming inside. Matthews ended up turning his head and going back outside, so ended up in the hands of Deion Buchanan for the pick six. But just a really impressive outing from Bradford overall. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how this pans out over the next few months. So hopefully uh, we've got a playoff run here, you know, over the next two games, and then we'll see where it goes from there. But just a really impressive game overall. I was quite impressed with how he was able to stand tall in the pocket. He got injured early in the game. He re-injured that non-throwing shoulder and he came out for the one play but he got right back in there and it wasn't like he shied from the pressure he didn't you know duck from any of the hits after that and you look at the 78 yard touchdown pass he threw to Jordan Matthews he took quite a shot on that pass so time after time again he was willing to take the shot but still deliver the football accuracy that back shoulder throw to Brent Sella quite impressive there so you know we're seeing some of those traits some of the skill sets that made him the number one overall pick absolutely and that kind of leads into uh, what I wanted to talk about here on three and out and that is the Eagles have their backs against the wall here we've talked other times throughout the season is this a must-win game is this a must-win game well this is the definition of a must-win game if the Eagles want to keep their season alive they have to win this Saturday so the question is the question that I have is who's going to step up their backs are against the wall who's going to take charge and say that you know we don't want this season to end at six and ten or seven and nine or whatever it is we want to win the NFCs we want to prove people wrong and Spuds wrote about it last night after the game that Sam Bradford has to be that guy and I agree with him and C-Mac, great point by you. You brought it out in five things this morning that in Bradford's rookie season, the last game of the year, it was win or go home for the Rams and the Seahawks. And that was probably the biggest game of Bradford's career. The Rams lost that game. Bradford was okay. He was 19 of 36 for 155 yards and in an interception. But I think you can argue that this game at this point in Bradford's career is a much bigger game. He was a rookie back then. You know, he still had, it looked like a bright career in St. Louis in front of him. This time, you know, contracts up at the end of the year I think he's playing to really solidify himself as the Eagles starting quarterback moving forward and I've really liked what I've seen out of Bradford I think some other people have as well over the past few weeks but I mean this is crunch time this is do or die uh we'll see who steps up we'll see if you know 
the Eagles have built a veteran team with some of the guys that they brought in in free agency. And I want to see if some of the guys, Bradford specifically, can really step up and win these last two games because that's all that matters. There are some situations where if the Eagles win next week, then there's still a chance that you know they could get in even if they lose the Giants last week. But none of that matters. If the Eagles take care of business and they win the next two weeks, they're in. And I want to see who steps up. All right. Well said on that point. I think it's time for us to transition into the interview again later on in the show we're gonna have game time and we'll also get to your questions on mailing it in as well as enemy intel to get an x's and o's preview of the washington redskins but first the interview and now it's time for what you've all been waiting for the interview my special guest this week on the eagles entire podcast none other than cornerback ej bakers ej Welcome to the Eagles Entire Podcast. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Um, could be kind of like a Hollywood script almost this Saturday night. And I'm sure it's a you know big topic of conversation in the locker room this week. I'm sure other members of the media are asking about it. But you might have a chance to start, potentially, go against your former team. Division title hanging in the balance. Eagles playoff hopes. Sort of a nice uh, combination of factors there for EJ. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, number one thing is just like I said, just getting better this week. And like I said, we we just got to do what we have to do. Uh, we know it's big game for the team, uh, and that's the big thing. What was it like on Sunday night when Byron goes down, Eric goes down shortly thereafter, and you and Jalen are thrust into the action? I mean, it wasn't anything out of the normal. I mean, in this league, you're always one play away from starting. So. Uh, like I said, when we got through in the fire, it wasn't anything we were not prepared for. Uh, we practice every week. We all get the same looks. We all get the same amount of reps, uh, get those same calls and things like that. So, like I said, we got in the game. It wasn't anything that we took off the script, anything like that. We just kept it flowing. Like I said, uh, Corey and Harp, they do a great job preparing us. Uh, we have a great group in uh, the defensive back room. and uh, Like you said, Billy has all the confidence in us. Chip has all the confidence in us. And like I said, we just went out there and did our jobs. EJ, what's the biggest difference from playing outside versus going in the slot since you do both in this defense? Uh, you know, in the slot, you're you're more like a linebacker. Things are moving a lot quicker. Uh, when you're outside, uh, you, you, things aren't moving as quick, and you have a little bit more time to recover, I think. But, I mean, you're still playing coverage on some of the best athletes in the world. So, like you say, you just always got to be locked in. Is one easier than the other? Because you, you could say on the outside, you've got the sideline help you out there but obviously usually teams will put their best receivers on the outside versus on the inside receiver has a two-way go against you but there's more traffic to, to deal with uh, I don't think any of them are I would not say easy yeah, no well, not preface with that of course but uh, like you said it, it sometimes it depends on the matchups I mean like you said you might have a guy that's a D-Jack he's always on the outside most of the time so you know that might be a tougher challenge that week like you said you always just got to be locked in because I mean any given play any given day any given game uh, <laughs> any guy can, can can have a great game and like you said so you always just got to be locked in whatever you're doing and whoever you're matched up on so you started your career in Tampa Bay you spent two seasons the two seasons prior to here with Washington what do you remember most about your time down in D.C.? Uh, I mean, it was a great group. We had a great group, a great, uh, I felt like, uh, great coaching, um, a deep defensive back coach. Uh, it was, it was, it, it, I had, like I said, I had a great time, got to learn from some older guys, Ryan Clark, D'Angelo Hall, uh, Reed Dowdery, Brandon Merriweather, some guys like that, like I said. So it was some guys that had been doing it on a high level for a long time. I mean, because in Tampa, we were kind of young guys. It was, we still had Ronde and things like that, but – 
you got to get with some other guys that have been winning, been Super Bowls and things like that, and, and had a lot of success uh, uh, individually. So, like you said, you get to you get got to get around those guys, and like I said, it was a great group. I'm still in contact with most of those guys all the time. Uh, but like I said, I'm, I mean, it was it was it was it was good times. But like I said, I'm I'm I'm, I'm not I'm not uh, dwelling on that right now. Like I said, we got a big game this week, and uh, got to do everything yeah. we can to uh, <laughs> to to come out uh, victorious. Kirk Cousins been red hot the last month or so. Could you see that from the time that you were with him in Washington that he would develop into this kind of quarterback? Uh, most definitely. Like I said, uh, he he's on he was on scout team a lot uh, when I was there, and the games that he did play and start. I mean, he had some he had some big games. I mean, if you if you go look at the stats, uh, he can make every throw. He knew everything. He had all the checks down packed. Uh, like I said, he makes all the throws, and he's going to get the ball in the, the, the playmaker's hands. And uh, I mean, you can see that from. From from any practice, any one on one drill, uh, whatever it was, like I said, he was making those throws, and he he was he's always he's very very confident in what he does. Do you guys make fun of the "you like that" slogan in the uh, locker room? I heard it. I, I laughed at it because it was funny <laughs> to me. Uh, I mean, that, that's something that he 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 is getting gets him going and gets those guys going, I guess. But like I said, I laughed when I first heard it because they did a, a interview. I saw him doing it with John Gruden. It was, I was like, okay, I said. He got something going. I mean, that was cool for him. In terms of some of the receivers you're going to see in the next couple weeks, you're going to see Deshaun Jackson this week, Odell Beckham week 17. Pro Bowl, by the time this podcast comes out, will have been announced. But if you were to vote, who are the best wide receivers that you went against in 2015? Um, Odell is one of those guys. Um, Calvin. uh, Deshaun's always up there. Julio. Julio's one of those guys. Uh, who else did we play? Mike Evans with Tampa Bay. Mike Evans. Um, it's week 16, and you're focused on Washington. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm watching, like you said, so I, I got to give it to those guys <laughs> that I said. On. Yeah, I can't really think right now. Did you watch what happened with Odell Beckham and Josh Norman uh, last week and or at least yeah. saw any of the discussion on, on Sports Talk or, or TV about it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a sports center guy, so okay. I watched that. And I, I really was – I was watching the game, actually. Uh, I was watching it live. Okay. And what did you think, just from the standpoint of, there's already enough things against defensive backs that now you have an offensive player who's being the aggressor in the situation? I mean, it was <laughs> – it was crazy. Uh, I mean, the league's going to handle it, I guess. I mean mm-hmm. – uh, like I said, I mean, I thought it was. I thought the the league's doing a great job with that. I mean, I think Josh did a great job keeping his composure uh, in those situations. But it was crazy. Uh, like I said, it was that that hit was dangerous. But uh, I mean, like, I guess the refs didn't really catch it how how it happened at the time. Uh, but like I said, the league's gonna take care of it. I, I'm pretty sure. You mentioned you're a sports center guy. I'm surprised at how. Being a pro athlete, it's not almost ruined because they might say stuff about the Eagles. You never know what they're going to be talking about on there. That it's almost like you can't enjoy it because you're part of it. You're in that in that conversation. Does that? Do you ever think about that aspect of it, or you just love sports so much uh, that? Yeah, I'm, I'm just a sports guy. I mean, guys are going to have their opinion. I mean, when I'm watching sports, I have my opinions too. So okay, I mean, I can't really. <laughs> 
you can't get mad about things like that I mean that's their job and it, like you said that's their opinion because when I'm watching I'm doing the same thing I'm having an opinion about things that just we don't voice it as much as those guys would you like the opportunity to flip it on members of the media be able to go through their work and say you know what <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean I, I mean I'm not a guy that's gonna that, that wants to get up there and bad mouth and do whatever I gotta do no. I mean, on guys but like you said that's that like I said that's their job so mm-hmm. I mean they do what they do I mean I mean, they they can say whatever they want. I mean, like you said, if you're you're a professional athlete, you ain't got to worry about it. You just keep going out there and doing your job. All right. So uh, I know you have to get to meetings very shortly here. So holidays are coming up. Christmas is a uh, Friday. You have a daughter. Do you get anything uh, anything special or? Uh, I got her. Uh, what did I get her that? She wanted a uh, dollhouse. Her mom got that, but I got her some some things to go with it uh okay. got her uh, a, a little <laughs> tablet uh what a time some clothes to be alive she's gonna enjoy it she's gonna enjoy christmas she got a bunch of stuff i can't remember everything i sent it off already so nice. i kind of forgot a little a couple of the things but she 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 she's spoiled man so she gets <laughs> she gets a lot more than uh yeah. when i was a younger younger kid so i mean she's gonna enjoy it she got she has a lot of things coming will you help put the dollhouse together me? Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, no. No, 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 no. On that note, EJ Biggers, thank you very much for joining us. Best of luck this Saturday against your former team, the Washington Redskins. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Time to get ready for game day. It's time for Enemy Intel. That is right. It is time for enemy intel as we talk the X's and O's between the Eagles and Washington Redskins. Obviously a huge game for the Eagles on Saturday night as they look to keep their season alive. Friend, first thing that that really jumps off to me about the Washington offense this time around as compared to last time is that Deshaun Jackson is back in the lineup. We didn't see him last time. Obviously Eagles fans know a lot about him from his time here, but how exactly is Washington using him in their offense? Well, honestly, Alex, that was the biggest thing that I came away with after watching their offense extensively was that they really have a good sense of how to use Deshaun the right way. I felt like last year after watching them, they were still kind of finding their way. You know, obviously they they used him vertically, but there were all the reports of how he wasn't happy with his role in the offense. And and there was a lot of talk about just, you know, his use and his role. Whereas now, since coming back from that injury that, you know, kept him out of that game through, you know, through much of the first half of the season, he's been on an absolute tear. He's averaging... 18.8 18.8 yards per catch. Only four receivers have been able to match that with the amount of catches that he has. It's just been a, a dynamic downfield threat for them. And one of the things that they do really well with them, they put him in the slot and they run vertical routes with him out of the slot. And we talked about that back in week one preparing for the uh, Atlanta Falcons and Julio Jones. When you line up dynamic, explosive players inside in the slot, now they've got a two-way go and it makes it a very tough task for corners that are playing him over the slot. But then also safeties. If you have a guy like Deshaun Jackson running at you from a tight split, as a safety, we're worried about a lot that's potentially going on. So they do a lot of different things with him. I will highlight that in our Eagle Eye in the Sky column later this week. But just a very, very explosive playmaker in that offense, and they're using him really well. So Deshaun can do a lot. We know that Pierre Garçon can do a lot. Jordan Reed really might be the X factor of this offense, though, when you think about it. They do a lot of different things with him. A really athletic tight end. Guy who's had some injury problems uh, throughout the early parts of his career. But when he's healthy, he is one of the most dynamic receiving tight ends in the NFL. 
Yeah, there's there's no question about it. I mean, you have a guy that can line up all over the formation, and they've done things. I remember his rookie year, he would line up as a tailback, and they would do different things with him there, just as a unique athleticism for the position. You know, he's not Rob Gronkowski from a size standpoint, but in terms of fluid athleticism, the ability to get in and out of breaks, the ability to quickly transition into a runner once he catches the football, just a really special athlete for the position. His issue has been his uh, durability and being able to stay on the football field. But with the ball in his hands, when he's between the lines, he's one of the most dynamic playmakers at the tight end position in, in the entire NFL. They line him up all over the place, like we said. And it's a tough task because when you have playmakers like Garcon, like Deshaun Jackson, like Andre Roberts, Jamison Crowder, the rookie out of Duke, has been a big-time slot receiver for them as well. Chris Thompson out of the backfield as a potential receiver. You have to figure out from a defensive perspective how you're going to match up against all these guys, especially when they're when they're out wide because now you have to find out, okay, well, if Deshaun's going to line up in the slot, looking at how the Eagles have always defended in the past, okay, well, Malcolm Jenkins will line up. But now you have uh, you know the tight you have Jordan Reed over here like how how are you going to defend all these different players oh and Pierre Garcon oh and Jameson Crowder I mean there's there's a lot to handle when you look at this offensive personnel looking at the Washington running game if I think back to Week Four when the Eagles and Redskins last met a lot of talk about that you know the physical running attack that they use with Matt Jones and Alfred Morris. Chris Thompson was another guy that we saw uh, in that first game break off a big run as well. But a lot of talk about the Washington run game at that point. Fast forwarding to this week, are they still that run-heavy team, or has the offense changed over the course of the season? I would say that since Kirk Cousins has really kind of stepped his game up, that they've become a little bit more of a passing team. However, they do want to run the football. And it's funny, you wouldn't think of the Arizona Cardinals as a running team. However, they were in the top 10 in the NFL in rushing. You would think almost of Washington as a top 10 team, but they're ranked 20th right now in the entire NFL with just over 96 yards per game on the ground. But you have a, a backfield where it's split carries almost identical with Matt Jones and Alfred Morris. They mix in Chris Thompson, like you said, but it just really they want to hit you downhill. And it's an outside zone stretch scheme where they really, yeah, it starts outside, but they really want that play to hit back up inside once very much like the long touchdown they gave up to David Johnson this past week, the Eagles. You know, that's the kind of schemes that you're going to see when you take on this Washington Redskins offense. And it'll be up to the defensive front to be very sound in their gap discipline, fit the run well, tackle well because it's two big backs. It's going to be a tough task, as, along with all the passing targets. I mean, this is, a, this is a tough offense to defend. Switching sides here, defensively for Washington, what is their identity? Uh, Ryan Kerrigan, obviously a tremendous player. Terrence Knighton, a huge body in the middle. But what is their identity right now as the defense. Well, it's funny you ask that because you Honestly, when you look at the defensive numbers, it's kind of a nondescript unit. You know, they're they're middle of the pack to bottom half of the NFL in most categories defensively. Uh, and re- really, when you look at the personnel, they play a lot of young guys. They've had a lot of injuries at a number of key spots, so they've kind of had to rotate guys in and out. But when they're fully healthy, you've got those two athletic inside linebackers in Keenan Robinson and Perry Riley, Will Compton, who has played a good amount just because of those injuries. But those are the two guys, if they're fully healthy. I know Riley was inactive last week. We'll see if he will be able to suit up on Saturday night. But you've got two athletic inside linebackers linebackers. On the outside, you've got Ryan Kerrigan, who really has been on a tear over the last few weeks. He's a, He's got five sacks in five games. We know that the issues that he's given the Eagles in the past, he's always given Lane Johnson fits on the outside. So that'll be a matchup that I'll be focused on this week is Lane Johnson versus Ryan Kerrigan. They have a rookie second round pick, Preston Smith, who has really become really that opposite pass rusher, opposite Kerrigan, because they drafted Trent Murphy out of Stanford last year, and he really isn't that kind of a guy. And they show you that they've kind of realized that and how they use him. He's not really on the field as much 
in those pass rush situations. But in the secondary, they mix and match personnel. D'Angelo Hall is no longer a corner. He's a safety now in what they do. The rookie Kaishan, <laughs> Kaishan Jarrett uh, is a big part of what they do as well. You know, it, it's an interesting group. They've just had a lot of injuries, and I think they, they're still looking to continue to add pieces to that defensive side of the ball from a personnel standpoint. But they bring their own set of challenges as well. Lots of different zone blitz looks, different things that they're going to try and do. Talking about the secondary just really quickly, uh, you mentioned D'Angelo Hall, but how do they defend the interior part of the field we saw Zach Ertz have another really nice game for the Eagles uh last week against Arizona is this a good matchup on the on the interior for the Eagles with guys like Jordan Matthews and Zach Ertz this week I actually talked about that with Greg Cosell asking him you know because he's been watching them almost every single week I've obviously only been able to catch up on them this week and from the little that I had seen I asked him how he thought that they would look to defend a guy like Zach Ertz how they would look to defend a guy like Jordan Matthews with Ertz he thinks that it could be D'Angelo Hall and a guy, obviously, who's got corner skills. I mean, he's been a corner for the last uh, decade and change uh, in the NFL. Got the speed, the ability to run with tight ends down the field. That would be the guy that I would imagine when they're in dime that you're going to see D'Angelo Hall matched up on Zach Ertz. Now, when it comes to Matthews, it'll be interesting. I mean, Blackman, who's starting on the outside now because they lost Chris Culliver, who was really banged up in that game in week four, he's out for the season. Will Blackman's the starter on the outside. When they go to nickel, Blackman comes inside. So I would think that maybe Blackman would shift inside and maybe cover Jordan Matthews. It'll be interesting to see how they decide to cover because honestly it's a lot of nondescript names on the back end here because you've got you know Brashad Breland who's a, a solid player he's a mid-round pick last year probably would have been higher if not for some off-field issues uh, and if he had probably run a little bit better at the combine but you know DeShazer Everett was a rookie out of Texas A&M who I didn't really even think was a corner looking at him I remember watching tape of him last year I thought he was not athletic enough to play NFL corner Quentin Dunbar Will Blackman Deshaun Phillips I mean it's not exactly a star-studded secondary in terms of the cornerback position so very interested to see how the Eagles will try and attack it. We will see how things shake out on Saturday night. Great stuff from Fran. Be sure to check out his Eagle Eye in the Sky columns on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And with that, we will transition ahead into game time. Get out your scorecards. It's game time. All right, gentlemen. Today's game time is the return of an oldie but a goodie here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Order in the Supreme Court. Round two. Oh, nice. The the drops are uh, pretty spot on today. Uh, Got to give the guys behind the scenes a lot of credit. But uh, pretty simple game we played. This is the last time the Eagles played in Washington. Um, I'll list off uh, a few things, and you have to put them in a specific order. So we'll start things off uh, talking about the Eagles MVP. List these players in the order they would appear on your Eagles MVP ballot. Fletcher Cox, Sam Bradford, Jordan Matthews, Zach Ertz, and Darren Sproles. Hmm. Or if you have a write-in. I, I would go. I, I would go with Cox at one. I would say Sproles at two, Bradford three, Matthews four, Zertz at five. Uh, I switch Bradford and Sproles. Yeah. I mean, the team was playing its best. Yeah. With Bradford, a quarterback. True. And yes, Sproles, uh, you know, had sparked the win over the Jets, had the, the palm return there. Um, also had the one, was it against the Patriots? Yeah, so obviously some big time plays from him, but uh, I'll still give the edge to the quarterback. But Fletcher Cox, I think, far and away, number one. Yeah, uh, I think my list is the same as C Max. Fletcher Cox, number one. Sam Bradford, number two. Uh, Sproles, three. J Matt, four. And Zach Ertz, five. Um, but I think Zach Ertz has really done a lot uh, to help his cause in the last few weeks. Um, 
and it looks like you know he's he's finally coming back and finally playing healthy after that uh that core muscle surgery in the offseason. Uh, all right, next up, list these players in the order that you would vote for them for the league MVP. Tom Brady, Cam Newton, Carson Palmer, JJ Watt. Uh, Brady, Newton, Palmer, J.J. Watt, or a write-in, if you'd like. C-Mac, you can take this one first, if you'd like. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go Cam 1, Brady 2, Carson 3, J.J. Watt 4. Um, obviously, Panthers are undefeated, but his signature moment yesterday when the Giants rallied back from 35-7, to tied the game with about a minute 45 or so left on that uh, emotional Beckham touchdown. You know, he's jumping on the bench and getting everyone juiced. You know, he did the uh, Allen Iverson over Tyron yeah, Lue uh, to Josh Norman in the end zone after he scored. Um, Cam just stood there on the sideline. They went to Cam, and he's told, you know, has the towel wrapped around his neck, and he's like, I got this. And he, he scrambled for a first down, uh, had a couple big passes to Olsen and Ted Ginn, and you didn't see any of the theatrics from Cam at that point. It was just all business. Got Gano in position, and he kicked the game-winning field goal. So, um, but Brady has done, Brady's been phenomenal with how he's been able to keep that team afloat despite the injuries. Uh, Carson Palmer, obviously we got to see him firsthand yesterday. Um, that's a complete team effort in, in my estimation. So I, I just, you know, and hey, look, the Houston Texans with Brandon Whedon as a quarterback are in first place in the AFC South. So, so I would go with the, the same exact order. I would go Cam 1, Brady 2, Palmer 3, Watt 4 uh, from those options. And really the interesting thing too is when you look at Cam, if he were to win the MVP, he would be the first quarterback ever to win both the Heisman and the, M and the MVP. But then also also think of this. If he were to go undefeated and win the national title or win the, uh, the Lombardi Trophy, win the Super Bowl, okay, he would go undefeated and win the national championship at junior college Win, go undefeated, win the national championship at Auburn, and go undefeated and win the national or win the Super Bowl in the NFL. It's very, very uh, impressive. I feel like the junior college one there isn't. That I mean, impressive. it's still, well, it's, it's still, it's, I mean, you know, it's still, it's still something that he something. did. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I agree. Cam Newton would be number one. I think the gap between Brady and Palmer is closer than people think. Um, and I, of course, you know, we've got to look at both of them. I think that Carson Palmer has just been. Really, really good in that Arizona Cardinals offense. Uh, I, I guess Brady would still be number two, but I'm very close to switching those two. And, and Pal Palmer was dealing yesterday. He was yeah. Yeah. he was ridiculous. I mean, all those drops that the Cardinals had. I mean, he he was absolutely pinpoint yesterday. Yeah. Uh, so I I think it's very close there. And then uh, I guess JJ Watt for. Uh, I'm not a big JJ Watt fan, but uh, guy has had a, another really good year. Probably better than his year last year when a lot of people thought that he could have won MVP over Aaron Rodgers. Uh, next up, list these teams in the order that you think are the most dangerous heading down the stretch into the playoffs. Okay. The Arizona Cardinals, the Seattle Seahawks, the New England Patriots, Carolina Panthers, and the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, who's that quarterback for Cincinnati? Uh, it's A.J. McCarron. Okay. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. I would say that in order, I mean, you have to say Carolina just because of the confidence that that team's playing in right now. 
Uh, you don't have say, to. I, I, to not. me, I would. I, I would after, especially after watching them yesterday. Uh, them coming after letting New York back into the game, them just having the resolve to to be able to go down and win the game uh, on the final drive is just outstanding. But uh, I would say Carolina. I would put Arizona two, New England three, Ooh. Seattle four, Cincinnati five. Downplaying Seattle, and I know that C Mac is going to disagree with huge, that. I am huge. I am so bullish on Seattle. Russell Wilson is just slinging it right now. Uh, it's a battle-tested veteran team, getting yeah. hot at the right time. I, I think I think they have a good chance to go through the NFC. I have them at number one. Uh, Arizona, two. I think Arizona is the best team that the Eagles have faced this season, and they've faced Carolina. They faced New England. Um, I thought that was the most complete team, especially when you consider that was at Lincoln Financial Field. The other two games were on the road. Uh, New England three, number four Carolina. I just feel like, you know, there's there, a loss is coming at some point. Maybe it's in these final two games that are meaningless for them, mm-hmm. but you know they've done a great job walking the tightrope this year, no question. But uh, and Cincinnati without Andy Dalton, who's playing great for them, I think is five. Uh, C I agree with you. I think Seattle is the most dangerous team right now uh, heading into the playoffs. Um, Russell Wilson, like you said, he's just playing out of his mind. They're they're getting hot at the right time, and if there's a scenario where they have to go on the road to Carolina, I I I really think that Seattle has a really really good chance of winning that game. Um, so I think they're the most dangerous. I put Carolina number two, Arizona three, and then New England and Cincy, the two AFC teams, to round it out. Let's not forget too that uh, Seattle already lost to Carolina at home this year. True. Yeah, but uh, Carolina has also had a couple really like s- close like squeaker games. Sure. Like they almost lost. I think it was they beat Indian like overtime. Yep. Earlier this year. Um, so I I think look I think Carolina is a really good team. I think Cam Newton is the MVP, but I'm just not sold on them as you know that battle tested team heading down the stretch. And I think that's what Seattle is. Next up, uh, I got a couple more here, so let's get through these. List these Alfreds in any order that makes sense to you. <laughs> Alfred Morris, Alfred Blue, Alfred Pennyworth from Batman, and Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, I'm going to go Hitchcock one, Pennyworth two, and it's close. It's very, I very tight. I can't believe you put Pennyworth it's in front very, of Hitchcock. I mean, it's very, very, very tight uh, between uh, those two. And then Alfred Blue, then Alfred Morris. I have the same exact order. I'm, I'm disappointed Alf didn't make it. Oh. Is he an Alfred? No, he's just no, Alf. He's Alien just- life form. Oh, no. Uh, no, 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 no. I cannot believe, Fran, that you put Alfred Pennyworth behind Alfred Hitchcock. Well, I mean, that just goes to show your age and your No, 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 no. I know Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred I appreciate Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock. Vertigo is a great movie. Uh, Psycho is a great movie. The Birds is a great movie. But Alfred Pennyworth, loyal to the end. Uh, I put him number one on my list. Uh, last up, Fran, this one's for you. Um, wait, 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 wait. I, I can't. No, you can. All? You can. Um, but I specifically had Fran in mind for this one. Jeez. Uh, so since the Eagles are playing on Saturday night, uh, oh, I got no. into a Saturday night live kind of mood. Uh, so I thought we could bring back one of your uh, your favorite SNL cast members uh, and go through some of his best lines. Oh, no. Uh, and you have to put them in order. So, oh, uh, man. guys, can we, uh, can we roll the tape here? <laughs> hey! So, it's Harry Carey. Yes, which is great. Hey! <laughs> which is hey, great. Now, Kim, we all know that the moon is not made of green cheese. But what if it 
were made of barbecue spare ribs. Would you eat it then? <laughs> All right, so we have him asking if the moon was made out of spare ribs, would you eat it? That's one. <laughs> That's one. <yeah. laughs> it's not rocket science. Just say yes and we'll move on. Stop the match. No, Stop we have the to match. Make it all <laughs> number one. <laughs> number one. Okay. Okay. Rocket science. Rocket science is number one. And that's all we have. That's it. Oh, uh, there's a there's a there's a couple other ones. He asked, uh, "What's your favorite planet?" Yeah. And he says, "Mine's the sun." <laughs> that's a good. <laughs> uh, that's he a great looks one. Right into the camera. Yeah. After it's just yeah. perfectly delivered. Uh, yeah, I was watching that clip today. I would today. say that's probably number two. The the sun the sun is the number sun two. Is number two. What's your favorite planet? Mine's the sun number two. <laughs> and it's not rocket science. Just say yes just, and we'll move on. It's not rocket science. Just say yes and we'll move on. That's number one. I love that. I love it. Uh, I I like the if the moon were made out of ribs, would you eat it? I think that's. Hi, now, Ken, we all know that the moon is not made of green cheese. But what if it were made of barbecue spare ribs? Would you eat it then? That's classic. Classic. C-Mac? Uh, I have no opinion <laughs> whatsoever. That's what I thought. Sure. Thank you, though. <laughs> uh, so there you have it. Uh, order in the Supreme Court, the Harry Carey edition, uh, getting us in the mood for Saturday night football. Uh, good stuff, gentlemen, and now I guess we'll move on into uh, mailing it in. Captain, incoming message. Please check your mailbox. A new message has arrived. And now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in our segment, Mailing It In. I will admit that there are some weeks where you're asking on Twitter a couple times, you're struggling to get some good questions. This was the opposite. This was had to whittle it down. Even still, I, I picked seven. I picked seven questions. Pick seven questions here. Don't know if we'll get through all of them, but all significant questions that are going to need to be answered sooner or later. So the first one, and uh, we'll go back to the defensive theme, comes from I am John twenty four on Twitter. Are the defensive woes scheme related or something else? Now I touched on it earlier in the podcast, where I think it's probably a little bit both because you're allocating resources to stopping the deep ball from the Arizona Cardinals, but I think it's also guys have to make plays when there are times when they're in position to make plays and they're not making them. So probably a little bit both, but I actually would probably say more of the something else and just not executing part of things. Yeah, and I, I would say that every one of those plays is kind of in, in its own world, you know? So one play, yeah, it could have been that one player missed a tackle and then the the running back gets out in the, in the open field. It could be that it was a light box because they were bracketing on the outside with two receivers and now you only have, a, you know, a certain amount of... You only have 11 players on the field. I mean, you, you, you can't defend every area uh, on every single play. So you have to be able to win your one-on-ones at some point if you're going to be able to stop the opposing team and that didn't happen consistently on Sunday night. I agree with uh, what both of you guys said. I think the scheme is solid. It's just, you know, getting back to fundamentals, being more consistent, and, uh, you know, wrapping up. Excellent. Next question comes from Alfredo at JJF underscore 22 on Twitter. How big is the loss of Jordan Hicks? And... You know, the challenge right now for Bill Davis is trying to properly meet out the amount of snaps that these guys have to play down the stretch. You know, a lot of people are asking on Twitter, why is Kiko Alonso in there? Well, obviously, if he's playing a lot, that tells you that they think that he's the best of what they have. And Kiko is coming off his best game in the win over Buffalo. But certainly you do miss his presence. Maybe you could say, why is Najee good? Maybe not getting a couple opportunities in there on defense, but no question. And it's amazing that, you know, we're saying this, that 
it's been a big loss uh, losing Jordan Hicks in the middle of the defense. Yeah, I think uh, if we go back to my uh, Eagles MVP question from earlier, if Jordan Hicks is healthy, again, you don't know how the rest of the season is going to go, but Certainly. at the point that he got hurt, he may have been number two on that list. He may have been number one on that list, probably behind Fletcher Cox, but as far as just defensive MVPs go, he was doing an incredible job. So I think it hurts, but I also think that, you know, at this point, that injury was, what, a, a couple months ago or a month and a half ago. So November, yeah. So I think that, you know, at this point, I think you have to find a way to, to move past it. You guys know that I'm a big Jordan Hicks fan. And obviously, it was a big loss. And we, we were actually filming this podcast when the news of his injury came down. Uh, and we talked about how big of a loss that was going to be for the defense just because of what he had been such a solidifying force inside with all the other guys going in and out of the lineup with injury. But a very tough loss. You brought up the MVP vote from earlier, Alex. I want to add a write-in. Okay. I think I think Malcolm Jenkins belongs at number two behind Fletcher Cox for me. It's true. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, leaving uh, Malcolm Jenkins off the list was probably uh, that was a big snub on your part. That was a that was a Steve Harvey esque mess, uh, <laughs> mess up on your end. Brady atrás buscando el pase. Un hombre abierto. There you go. I thought you were gonna have the Steve Harvey Jenkins drop. Jenkins cruza la treinta. Jenkins a la cuarenta. Malcolm Jenkins se va para la casa. Treinta, veinte, diez, cinco. Touchdown Eagles. Malcolm Jenkins. It's a classic. That's a call of the year. Tremendous. That might be the call of the year right there. I was. It's funny because I was thinking of snubs too on a lesser level. Donnie Jones for special teams. Yeah, I, but not. It's yeah. Obviously, he's not going to be the MVP. He, he would be like you know others receiving votes category. Right. It's funny thing, and but. it's sad that I thought of Donnie Jones before I thought of Malcolm Jenkins on this list. Well, what? yeah, I, I would agree. Play that. Play that one again. What? It's probably just coming off Sunday's game because before Sunday's game, you look at the defensive turnaround the last two games and what happened. They put Jenkins back in the slot, right? And they cut down on the blitzing, and you know you saw better results. So Jenkins should be in the Pro Bowl by the time you listen to this. He will. It will be announced one way or the other. So hopefully he gets uh, the nomination. Hopefully the the Pro Bowl recognizes him more than I did in yes. our in our game time segment. All right. The next question comes from at Bishow underscore Bish on Twitter. It's a two-part question here. Is DeMarco Murray back in 2016? And I say yes at this point. And what is the number one number one priority, excuse me, other than quarterback? That's a good question. I, I actually, I was thinking a little bit about this probably last week. And I was just thinking about the players on the roster right now that I would most want to see the Eagles bring back next year, the guys who are going to be free agents. And, and I think Bradford is number one for me. But after that, one of the guys that really comes to mind is Walter Thurmond. I think he's done a really nice job at safety. And, you know, he was a signing that didn't get a lot of fanfare when it happened. A lot of people thought that he would just be depth at corner. Maybe he'd be the nickel back. But he's really been a really nice fit opposite of Malcolm Jenkins. Obviously, both guys can move down the slot if they have to. But I think that Thurmond is, he would be close to the top of my priorities list. And then getting back to DeMarco Murray, yeah, I think he's back next year. I don't know how the running back rotation is going to work out, if it's going to look the way that it does now at this point next year. I'm really not sure. But I think the Eagles are committed to DeMarco, and I think he's committed to the Eagles. So I, I don't see that much changing with DeMarco moving forward. Yeah, I would say that it, it's tough to envision a scenario where he's not back, just because of all the ramifications that would go along with that. But as far as the other priorities, I mean, I would say Bradford for sure, number one. And then after that, I mean, you you have to talk about the offensive line yeah. in, in some way, shape, or form, whether it's the draft or free agency. So No but, question there. I agree definitely with the O-line. All right, at JJ Fans on Twitter asks, is the defense too small? And 
He's saying because he sees them get pushed around the line of scrimmage. But it's funny because I feel like on defense is where Chip Kelly invokes the big people, be it little people mantra the most. Yeah, and I think that you look at the Eagles defense and really the only position where you're looking at and say, okay, they're small there. You know, Kiko Alonso is obviously on the lighter side and especially, uh, you know, coming off the injury last year, I think that uh, he's a little bit lighter than what we've seen from him in the past. And then, you know, Kendricks is an undersized backer. But away from that, I think that overall, I think it's a pretty big defensive front. I mean, you know, the, the three guys up front are not undersized. Taylor Hart didn't play at all last year because they wanted him to add you know, what was it, 20, 25 pounds uh, to his frame. So the corners they bring in are all bigger guys. I don't think that size is the issue. Yeah, I would agree. I think the inside linebacker is the one spot where maybe you could look at it and say that, but they've got the lengthy corners on the outside. You mentioned the defensive line. Even the, you know, the guys on the bench in the defensive line with Bo Allen and Taylor Hart, Brandon Bear when he's active, these are big guys. These are physical guys. So I guess inside linebacker would maybe be the one spot where you could look at it and say that. This one is a philosophical question. Ooh. At Gregory D. Felice on Twitter. Uh, and this is something I actually brought up with Ike Reese on the postgame show presented by Rico following the game on Sunday. Why defer the opening kickoff if the other team scores, you go down seven points? And it's one of those things where it's like, I understand that you want the ball to start the second half. And hey, look, if the Eagles had come over with any points uh, on that late drive in the first half, whether it was a field goal or a touchdown, and Look, we can discuss the decision. I, I'm fine with the decision to go for it. Regardless, you know, if they score there, they score at the start of the second half, they could have had the lead. Obviously, we know how things went in the second half of the game. But especially when you're facing a team like Arizona that has such a prolific offense, you're putting their strength on the field to begin. They go down score, and you're behind the eight ball from the start. So it's like I can see in certain instances where you might question it. Overall, you know, I'm fine with the philosophy of taking the ball first in the second half, but just an interesting philosophical standpoint. Ike Reese's re- reasoning for maybe switching it is just that your strength is offense that you'd want to set the tone early. It's funny because when during my Madden days, I always deferred. I always wanted to get the ball to start the second half. During your Madden days. During my Madden still, days. Like you still aren't playing Madden. I, I haven't played Madden in a long, long time. All right, next question here. Another philosophical question this time with the offense. At Sean DJ 1978 wants to know, and, and Fran, you'll be able to answer this the best. It feels like that this year they're running the offense that LaShawn McCoy should have been in, and the last year they're running the offense that DeMarco Murray should have been in. I know you fervently disagree with this. Yeah, you know. I would say that it's been about the same. I would say that the scheme has been exactly what look, what they did last year is what they're doing this year, and you know, obviously, yeah, I, I don't think, honestly, all of the inside runs with, Mur- all of Murray's runs lately have been those inside zone runs, and where he, he bumps it outside, it's because there's nothing inside and he bounces it on his own. It's not, it's not designed to go out that way. I think that you know it's the same offense they haven't like uh you know flipped the flipped the script 180 degrees and gone the other way you've highlighted how they've tweaked it to help demarco out it seems like they course correct a little bit you know after the those first few weeks where a lot of people were questioning oh why are they trying to get him out in the perimeter so much I would say probably around that, you know, week four, week five, week six time, they started to get him more downhill. You know, even the shotgun runs are more where Bradford would catch and the way that he would catch the ball out of the shotgun, he'd frame his body up so that Murray could get downhill quicker. So, gentlemen, I think that's going to do it for us here on the Eagles Insider okay, Podcast. People, tomorrow but- morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. That's great. Had a kid at uh, my son's bus stop ask me, is Santa real? And I said, yes. Oh, no. and I said, yes. yes. Santa is real. Of course. No question about it. And I hope he brings you all good things this holiday weekend. I hope so, too. <laughs>
I'd like some nice things. So for BT, Chris Stevens behind the scenes, and Alex Smith and Fran Duffy, I'm Chris McPherson. Happy holidays to everyone. Thanks for joining us here on the Eagles Insider Podcast.